Good morning. How you doing? How are you? Everybody good? You fired up and ready to learn more about God's Word today? Yeah, I, I am too. This is going to be, this is going to be good. Next Sunday, um, we're going to give you a commitment card called Marriage Matters. And many of you have heard we're getting ready to build a wedding chapel. The horse has left the barn. We've interviewed several different architects. So next Sunday, we're actually going to give you a commitment card. It's a one-year campaign. But if you're new this morning, just briefly, um, the Lord has laid on our hearts. We didn't come up with this. We're not smart enough to do this. We're getting ready to build a wedding chapel that is going to be used as a tool of outreach. And the outreach is going to be to communicate God's plan and purpose for marriage to as many different couples as we possibly can every single year. And so every couple that will get married in our wedding chapel will hear God's plan for marriage and they'll they'll hear the gospel. Now, they may not agree with it, but they are going to hear it. And um, so that'll take place with every couple that gets married in our wedding chapel. And then we're going to also provide premarital and postmarital counselors and mentors. And it's a, it's a full-blown marriage ministry to make a difference in their lives. So we feel as a church that marriage matters. And we believe that we can communicate to our unchurched culture the value of marriage. And so we're going to do a one-year campaign. The wedding chapel is $1.5 million. We're going to raise the money. We're going to pay cash. And um, it's a one-year campaign. And we just encourage you. So next Sunday, we'll give you this and just want to ask you to pray about that. Okay? Does marriage matter? It does. It does. All right. All three of you. It matters. Okay. Uh, Stand up. You've already shaken hands, but stand up. Don't say a word. Just stand up. Stretch. Just stretch. I want you to pay attention today. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Keep stretching. All right, be seated. All right. So it's been 400 years that they've not heard from God. Malachi is the last prophet of the Old Testament. Transpire 400 years. And now John the Baptist comes on the scene, and John the Baptist, after 400 years of silence, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, he says this. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's been 400 years. Are you kidding me? Where is God? And what John the Baptist is now doing is he is inviting people to come to God and change how they think and to change how they behave. Everybody been going through the motions. Everybody got kind of lazy. Everybody got kind of silly with their faith and their religion and very religious. John is saying, if you want to identify with this new revolution and this new movement, then show fruit by being baptized. And so John offers a water baptism, which is a baptism of repentance to help people to make up their minds. Now, this would identify people who were in and on God's side. We all understand identification. Everybody in this room is identified by a whole list of different things. We're identified by what we drive, where we live, our education, how much money we make. Everybody in the room understands identification. We all do. You're identified even by your attitude. She has a great attitude. She has a lousy attitude. 
You're identified by your words, aren't you? He is such an encourager. He is the most negative person I've ever seen in my entire life, right? You're identified by your attitude, by your You're identified by your money. She's the most generous person I've ever met. That woman's so tight, and I can't, I don't know what the, how the rest of the sentence goes, okay? But she's, she's incredibly tight. So everybody in the room, you're identified by your conduct. I trust him. I wouldn't buy a used car from him, right? Everybody in the room is identification. Companies understand identification. Branding is a multi, multi-million dollar, billion dollar business in our country. Just look at some of these car brands real quickly. Now, I have all those in my garage. <laughs> so I, those are just my cars. You know, I, I won't share Danita's cars with you yet. But anyway, uh, you, you see those are brands, right? You recognize that. The next one is an, another picture. Again, you recognize some of these brands. What's, what's the swoosh? What is that? That's Nike, all right? For those of you that are under 40, what's the bird? Twitter. <laughs> Sorry, okay? Um, what's the golden arches, right? Uh, what's, the, what's the Apple thing? What is that? Apple, all right, Apple computer, right? Um, so we understand branding, and there's an identification with that. And so everybody understands this thing about identification. We're all identified by something. We're all identified by somebody. So in Matthew chapter 3, verse 6, after he shares this, they confessed their sins. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And so here they come, and this is their identification with them. Now, there's lots and lots of questions when it comes to baptism, right? There's lots of confusion when it comes to baptism. And there's three main categories, water, age, and purpose, and those are the three main categories of great confusion. Water, how much water do we use? Some groups use a whole lot of water. They baptize by immersion in the Gulf of Mexico at a Honeymoon Island Beach. Some, some groups, you know, use a little bit of water. They sprinkle or they pour. Some groups baptize without any water. It's a little weird. You saw, I thought water. No, it's a little weird. Quakers have baptisms. Christian scientists have baptisms. They don't use any water. I'll explain that maybe if we have time, okay? So water is an issue. How come they do it this way with water? How come they use lots? How come they use little? How come they don't use any? The other one is age. Why is it that some groups have what's called believer's baptism, where someone's old enough to believe? Why do other groups have like 12 years of age, like a confirmation thing? Other groups have eight years of age as a confirmation, and other groups baptize infants. Why is it that there's such an age variety here? So there's water differences, there's age differences, and there's purpose differences. So what's the purpose? And some groups would say, it's really not that big a deal. Other groups would say, it's cool, it's cool, it's fun, it's fine. And other groups would say, man, if you're not dunked, you're not going to get in. You're going to hell, right? So, so there's, there's age, there's purpose, and there's water. Now, our passage of Scripture this morning doesn't really help solve these problems. So great, Kurt, why are you using it? It actually adds more confusion to the story. In fact, our, our scriptures this morning is when Jesus was baptized. Now, why in the world was Jesus baptized? Did he have some kind of sin? Did Jesus need to repent? 
So here's the story of Jesus' baptism in Matthew chapter 3. Let's look at these. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee. Now, right before this, we have the whole scriptures about John the Baptist. John's baptizing. People are coming out to the Jordan. They're confessing their sins. And we don't know how long John did this. We always get the impression that maybe like like at 9 a.m., John's out there. And like at one o'clock after lunch, here comes Jesus walking on the you know walking up to him on, on the, in the shores of the water, but but John may have been out there for three or four weeks. We don't know. John may have been doing this for a month. This may have been going on for a long period of time. And then the Bible says, here comes Jesus from Galilee to the Jordan, which is a river, to be baptized by John. I just want to show you a picture of this. Here's a map of this. You'll see up there, Galilee, the bigger body of water, says the Sea of Galilee. All the way down, it says Salt Sea. Does everybody see that? Sea of Galilee, Salt Sea. That's the river. That's the Jordan River, about 70, 75 miles from north to south. Probably, Jesus came from about the Sea of Galilee, which is where Capernaum is, And he's probably got baptized just a little bit north right there of the Salt Sea. The traditional baptismal site is really about where the P there is on the Perea on on that baptismal site. is somewhere right about there. So anyway, here comes Jesus. He's coming to be baptized. Look at verse 14. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? And that concept was that the baptizer needed to be at mile marker 30 and the baptizee needed to be at a lesser mile marker, maybe mile marker 10 or 12. And so we still have that concept today. Even this afternoon, tonight, when we baptize a whole bunch of you, sometimes people think that the person doing the baptizing has to be a whole lot more spiritual than the baptizee. Well, in my case, that that doesn't work. But anyway, so many of you think that, and and that's the concept here. And so John's going, oh my gosh, you're ahead of me, Jesus. You're at mile marker 30. I'm at mile marker six. How can I? Jesus is going, no, 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 no. That's not what this is about. That's not, that's not the purpose of this. I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Look at verse 15. And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? Oh, that solves everything, doesn't it? That clears it all up on water, age, and purpose. Well, no, it doesn't clear it up at all. What in the world is Jesus doing here? Then John consented. What's that mean? He means, okay, all right? The next verse. As soon as Jesus was baptized... He went up out of the water, which we interpret means he had to go down into the water first, right? So Jesus comes up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. That'd be so cool to see. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Now, don't miss this. The Spirit of God descended like a dove, and it it was alighting on him. Now, here's the point about this. Always before, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament descended, but it didn't stay. It descended, but it didn't hang out. It descended, but it, it, it went back up. Not this time. Not this time. This time, the Spirit of God would descend, and it would stay on the Messiah. And that's exactly what happened to you when you became a Christian. This has never happened before in history. We live in the age where now the Spirit descends on you, and it stays on you. Remember when John said, I baptize you with water? And mine's like a baptism of repentance. But among you stands one whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
And so today, as New Testament believers, the Spirit of God didn't, didn't just descend on you and then vaporize and vanish and, you know, leave. The Holy Spirit now descends and it stays. And that's why even when you're a Christian and you're sinning, even when you're a Christian and you're not in God's will, even when you're a Christian and you've gone spiritually AWOL, you got something in the gut going, come back, come back, turn, repent, get it together, come on, come on. You know this. Every time you and I step outside of God's will as a Christian, the Spirit of God's going, get, get realigned, step back in there, line yourself back up. Come on now, let's, let's get your life together. And that will never stop because the Spirit of God descended and it stays on you just like it did with Jesus. What a cool verse. Got one more verse there. A voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I loved. I am, I am well pleased. So I thought it would be interesting to show you for just about five minutes what all these different groups do when it comes to Christian baptism. And so for the last 2,000 years, all these different groups interpret water age and purpose so differently. And I've taken these in order. Don't get mad at me. These all come out of the same source. Don't email me. I'll delete it. Don't send me. I I, I don't want to hear. This is all out of the same source, okay? So here's how different groups have interpreted Christian baptism. Let's start with the Seventh-day Adventist, first of all. Now, I I wasn't familiar with the Seventh-day Adventists, but my secretary, Anya, in Memphis for 16 years, was actually born and raised a Seventh-day Adventist. Very interesting group of people. They actually worship on Saturday. It's a whole different way of, of thinking about it. But for baptism, it expresses a person's personal faith in Christ who died for our sins, immersion only. Now, these are in order. So the next one's Baptists, okay? How many of you in the room raised Baptist, Baptist connection, Baptist affiliation, okay? Baptists would say uh, it's not necessary for salvation. This is, again, their interpretation. By immersion only, infants are not baptized, but faith is required before someone is baptized. All right, how many Catholics we got in the room? That's probably more than half of you. Yep, at least 50, 60%. We are, we are satellite for a Catholic church, I think. I really, all right. By pouring, sprinkling, or immersion. You Catholics got it covered, man. You got, you got it covered. It doesn't matter. We're, we're in good shape. Um, necessary for salvation. Infants are baptized. Now, interesting about Catholics is archaeologists have discovered historically a certain period of time all Catholics were baptized by immersion. All of them were. They've dug up all these cool baptismal pools. And it shows you then a time in history when it switched from baptism by immersion then over to sprinkling. And then now it's kind of back to to covering all three of those, okay? Look at the next one. Christian scientist. Baptism is not a physically manifested ritual. In other words, there's no water. Do not immerse, sprinkle, or do any outward ordinance. Baptism is the spiritual purification of daily life. I'll just leave it at that. Next one. Okay. I'm doing good this morning, aren't I? I'm not in trouble or anything. Disciples of Christ. How many of you raised disciples of Christ? Okay. Disciples of Christ done by immersion. Only those old enough to know what they are doing when they confess the name of Christ are baptized. That's really called a believer's baptism. In other words, it means I'm old enough to believe. And that's when I make a decision to identify with Jesus. Okay. The next one. Eastern Orthodox. 
by immersion for the remission of sins and entrance into the church. Essential to salvation, it must be performed by one holding proper priesthood authority required of all eight years of age and older. So there's, there's kind of a classification for age, right? Okay, look at the next one. Episcopalian. How many of you raised Episcopalian? Okay, all right. By immersion or pouring, they're kind of Catholic light, so we got two out of the three, right? Uh, in an emergency, now this is really funny to me. In an emergency, any Christian may baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now what does that mean in an emergency? Like somebody gets run over? Or a boating accident, and maybe, maybe it does because of salvation. Um, necessary to salvation, infants are baptized. Look at the next group. Methodists, Presbyterians are kind of the same. How many of you raised Methodist, Presbyterian? That's a good chunk of you, okay. Um, sprinkling and not necessary for salvation, infants mainly. Not only, but mainly. Look at the next one. Here's, here's the next one is Lutheran. Lutheran, by sprinkling, pouring, or immersion. How many of you were raised Lutheran in the church? Okay. Infants are baptized, necessary to salvation, except in rare cases. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. All right. That's cool, I guess. I don't know. Were you in? I'm accept- I You're the exception. All right, let's look at some pictures of this. So here's, here's a picture of immersion. That's, that's how we do it. You got, you got some big baptismal pool at some church there. Uh, we do baptisms by immersion at swimming pools. We do them over here at our baptistry, which is kind of over here in the dark. And we do four of these a year during the Gulf of Mexico. Look at the next one. This is, this is cool. All right, this little kid's getting, getting sprinkled on right there. And he's going, the first one, he's going, I don't know about this. And the second kid's going, why is this water so cold? Man. And, and, and that kid on the right, he needs to be baptized. Look at it. He, he's just, he is full of something, I tell you. He, he, that's, that's, we'll leave it at that, won't we? Okay. So let's, let's try to put this together. And let's say that you and I are at John Chestnut Park, and we're grilling hamburgers for a bunch of family and friends. And you say, Kurt, what does Harborside teach about baptism? Or, or and then the, the person interrupts themselves and says, you know what, I, I don't, I don't want to know what Harborside teaches. I, I want to know what you believe. I really want to know what you think about baptism. And my response would be, well, you know, Harborside and myself are pretty, pretty close because I am the pastor and I do teach this. And so we, we, we line up, you know, and, all right, well, what, what do you believe? Tell me about people in your life or, or your family who don't do it the same way as the water as you'd think or the same age as you think or the same purpose. And so I would say, well, what you're asking is, do I have some relatives who don't practice baptism the way we do it at our church, and do I think they're saved? Well, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you, but I didn't want to be so blunt over the charcoal. Okay. I do think they are. I absolutely do. And I would say that I also have some friends and family members and relatives who practice baptism just like we do with age and water and purpose, and I'm not sure they're in. I hope they're in, but I'm not really sure. And so what saves you is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What saves you is the blood of Jesus. What saves you is your commitment to Christ. And, and, And so does it matter how you do it? Well, we think it does as a church, 
But the most important piece of all is your relationship with Christ. And, and so that's where we always start is, is with Christ. So let me just share with you, we, we do baptize by immersion. And let me tell you why. We can't find in the Bible any examples of sprinkling. And we can't find any examples in the Bible of pouring. And we don't find any examples of, of infants. Now, now, now I, was, I was six weeks old as an infant when my parents took me to a church and I got sprinkled. And I'm cool. That's cool. I'm, I'm good with that. I love that. My parents did that. And my parents were trying to say, hey, you know, this boy's going to need Jesus. And so we, we, we know that. So, but, but, but that was their decision. That was not my decision. So at some point in my life, I had to make up my own mind what I was going to think and what I was going to believe and what I was going to do in, in my own life. And, and so in, in the scriptures, we don't have any examples except adults. Now, what do you do with that? Well, as a, as a theologian trying to do systematic theology, which is my job, I'm trying to connect those dots together. So when you look throughout in, in Matthew, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, our, our text today, it says Jesus was baptized. He went up out of the water, which means he went down into the water, right? And there's nine different examples in the book of Acts, nine. And they all say exactly the same thing. Nine say the same thing. And all nine in the book of Acts, they all begin with faith in Christ. And all of these nine snapshots of salvation, they all end with baptism into Christ. So I want to show you just one. This is a CPA. He's an Ethiopian eunuch. And this is just one small example. Here we go. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. What stands in the way of, me being bapt- of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. See, they both went down into the water. And when you go down into the water, if you don't come up out of the water, you're going to drown, right? And so again, when it comes to water, age, and purpose, this, so why do we do it this way? We do it this way because that's what the Bible teaches. I have no other examples except believer's baptism. I have no other examples except immersion. I have no other examples except for the purpose of what I'm getting ready to tell you right now. So in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, it tells us the purpose of baptism. Romans chapter 6 says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And there's three pieces to this. There was a, there was a, a death, there was a burial, and there was a resurrection. There was a death, there was a burial, there was a resurrection. And so the greatest event in all of history was Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And so, the, so John the Baptist, when John is teaching, he's looking forward to the greatest event in all of history and the greatest person, death, burial, and resurrection. But now in the church, 2,000 years later, we look back. We look back to that great event. The greatest event in all of history was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So what is baptism? Baptism is an identification with the greatest event and the greatest person in all of history. And that person is the only one who can save your sins. 
And so you then identify, you stick a flag in the ground. It's a touchstone. It's an event. It's a moment when you say, I'm going to identify with Christ. Now, you still got to go to school. You still got to go to work. You still got to run your businesses. You still got to earn money. You still got to do everything, raise a family. But now you're doing all of that because of Christ. And he becomes your identification. So why did Jesus get baptized? Jesus got baptized so he could identify with you. Jesus got baptized so he could identify with the sinful humanity he came to save. We've made a mess out of things. And your life's a mess and my life's a mess without Christ. And everybody should acknowledge that and respond to that. But Jesus Christ got baptized to identify with all your gunk and junk and murky waters and dirty stuff and all the trash in your life. So Jesus got baptized to identify with sinful humanity. We get baptized to identify with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And so we die to ourselves. We bury the old man. We bury the old person. And see, we have the God's Holy Spirit now that descends and alights on, it remains on us. And and, and we're never the same. We're, We're never the same because of what Christ has done for us. And so you got to decide your identification. You, you, you got to decide that. Everybody in the room has got to make up their mind what's going to be your flag, what's going to be your touchstone. Now, if you're, if you're out of Christ, maybe it's your education. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's your toys. Maybe it's your, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But, but you got to decide what's going to be your identification. Because the whole point of Christian baptism is, I'm going to live in and under the authority of Christ. I'm going to live inside of of the margins of Scripture. I'm going to give my life, and everybody in the room, you've all identified, there's pieces that identify you, and you have to make up your mind. What am I going, how am I going to live my life? How am I going to be identified? You may be highly educated, but I use that education because I've identified with Christ. I may have a great business, but I use that business because I've identified with Christ in a great way. You may have a great amount of leverage with you. Do you see where I'm going with this? Well, the, the wedding ring is a great example of identification. I've been married, we've been married 30 years. Denise and I have been married 30 years. And except for six months in 30 years, I have worn a wedding ring. Okay. So why the six months? Well, I got hurt. I was out fishing early in the morning, 16 miles in the Gulf of Mexico. I got the boat anchor wrapped around my finger. The anchor goes down, and I snapped a couple of tendons about 7 o'clock in the morning out there in the Gulf of Mexico. Now, I should have come in, (laughs) but we just got out there. So I found a pencil. I broke the pencil off, made a little splint, found some duct tape, wrapped it around my finger, and we fished till about 3 o'clock, and we caught a boatload of fish. Praise God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but you need to know that. That's important detail. Gosh, that was so much fun. But anyway, for six months, I couldn't wear a wedding ring. Couldn't get it. My finger was swollen. Couldn't get it on there for nothing. 
It felt really awkward too, but here's what a wedding ring says. I belong to somebody. Somebody belongs to me. I'm responsible for somebody. Somebody's responsible for me. I've entered into a covenant relationship with somebody. Somebody's entered into a covenant relationship with me, right? That's really kind of where I'm headed with this this morning. You see, you, you ask somebody to marry you, and then you set a date. And the date is for all the family, for all the friends to come and celebrate this great event with you. It was Valentine's Day, 1983. I got down on a knee and I asked Danita to spend the rest of her life with me and let's grow old together. Then we set a date shortly after that on August the 4th, 1984. We invited all our family and all of our friends to come and they all came and celebrated this great event with us. You you come to Christ and then you, you set a date and we all come and we all celebrate with you. We, we watch you symbolically join the team. We watch you as a sign and as a symbol. I join the team and it's a symbol. Of, we celebrate this event together. Now, I've been baptized three times. First time was at six weeks old. I told you, my parents. The second time was when I was 14. I gave my life to Christ. And then that day, it's very emotional. I can still see it like it was yesterday. My 40-year-old dad and myself, we were baptized together in a baptismal pool at our church, Chapel Rock Christian Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. 40, he was 40, I was 14. What an experience that was for a kid to see that. And then just this past September, Denise and I went to Israel. Did I, did I tell you we went to Israel? Have I, have I, have I mentioned that before? We, we went to Israel. And we both got baptized. I want to show you just a picture of, of this whole party out there. We're, we're right there by the, um, the rope. That's me leaning against the rope. See the guy in the white? That's Don Moen. That's Danita there just a little bit in front of the rope. And um, this is in the, in the Jordan River, the waters of the Sea of Galilee. Um, a little bit ahead of us is Ron and Shirley Meyer. Ron and Shirley were in first service. And Shirley's there in a bathing suit. And right before first service, I went up to her and I said, it hit me. I thought, you know what? I didn't ask permission, you know. And I said, Shirley, I got a picture of us being baptized. You're in a bathing suit. I said, are you okay with that? She said, well, what if I said no? I said, well, it's a little late now. And she said, well, at my age, we don't care. Show the picture. She said, show the picture. Um, so that, that's our little party there being baptized. And the next picture, Joy Elsesser saw this picture, and she said, Kurt, I want you to put this picture up. I didn't do this. Joy did this. She said, I want the church to see our shepherd humbling himself and being baptized by, that's Don Moen, and that's Stephen, Stephen Mansfield. He's an author. And uh, Denise and I were baptized that, that day, and it was just a cool, cool event. So what about you? What, what, what will you be known for? When, when you live your life and you, you die, to whom will your incredible identification be with? I, I, I can't think of a better person than Jesus to be identified with. And I know he came into this world to identify with you. And so tonight at 6 o'clock, we're baptizing a gazillion people tonight at 6 o'clock. We've got a couple that's 86 and 84 years old tonight that they were in first service and everybody clapped and cheered for them. And 
It was kind of funny. I did, I did the same thing. I looked down on them. I said, I said, how old are you guys? And they said 86 and 84. And I said, we're going to baptize them tonight. And I thought, you know what? What if they backed out? You know, there's, there's a no backing out policy here now. I mean, I, I mentioned for the whole, the whole, go sign up. Go sign up the guest service desk and come join us tonight. The parking's free. It's paid for. You go to that little booth. You tell them you're with Harborside. You just follow the signs. It's going to be a great celebration of Christian baptism tonight. Stick, stick a flag in the ground. This is who I'm going to give my life to and give my life for. Would you stand? Would our prayer partners come down front? I, I would start by giving your life to Christ. I would start by saying, I, I want Jesus. And if you've never been baptized into Christ, we invite you tonight to be a part of this. Go to the guest service desk, sign up, and we'll take care of you. Lord Jesus, we love you, we worship you, we honor you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.